beautiful day outside, Will. It really is. <laughs> I swear I had something. I swear I had something uh, earlier in the week, but uh, now I don't. Uh, it's, it's it's been it's been washed away by the throngs of that summer weather. We don't get to see the sun that often up here in old Nova Scotia, Canada, and so when we do, we we always talk about it. I feel like. Some of our listeners in different parts of the world might be like, why do they talk about the weather all the time? Who cares? We, we don't live in Nova Scotia. It's because that might be the number one topic of discussion here. Uh, the old adage goes, uh, buddy, you don't like that East Coast weather, wait five minutes. Uh, so that's why we talk about it so much. It's a, yeah, you're right. It's a common talking point at any, any level. It's like the go-to small talk conversation for our area. And, um, yeah, it has been very nice. I feel like two years in a row with the COVID-19 lockdowns we've had, I think we got pretty nice weather last year, too, around Mm. the time we were all stuck inside. Mm. And this time we understand, like, the first time around, I think we understood COVID a lot less. And so, for instance, the the government had banned people from going to parks and stuff like that, which yeah. I, I don't think that'll be happening again because we understand a lot more about how uh, how unlikely it is for COVID to, uh, uh, I was going to say, transmiss, uh, to, to <laughs> uh, spread outdoors. There you go. Um, so hopefully we'll be able to enjoy this brief, nice weather a little bit more this year. I should say so. But no matter what level of enjoyment of the outside and the current climate of uh, coronavirus you may be at, you can always enjoy podcasts as far as we know. <laughs> the virus doesn't spread through them yet. I know, I know, and and God help us if it does. The only virus that spreads through Elwood City Limits, the episodic Arthur podcast, is the English language. My name is Will Young, and Lucas Mancini is my co-host. Uh, I have a bit of news, actually, to start Ooh. off the podcast with this time. Now, there are times, of course, when we kind of go far in between um mainline episodes of ECL. So sometimes we're not exactly on the pulse of news, but I wanted to make sure to mention this because I think it's important, it's relevant to this podcast and relevant to our interests outside of the podcast. So um we've spoken before about the modern animation style of Arthur and w- quality and our fe- our opinions on it aside, it is done by a company called Oasis Animation out of Montreal. And it was reported, this is dated almost a, almost a month ago. By the time you hear this, it will probably be a month ago. Uh, April the 16th. Uh, so the, the workers in the Oasis Animation Union uh, staged a protest outside of the offices in April, demanding better working conditions and accusing their employer of going back on agreements. Now, I tried to look at this a little bit. So Oasis Animation does animation for Arthur, uh, for the Netflix series F is for Family, uh, quite a few um, quite a few productions, uh, notable productions. So, of course, we wanted to take the opportunity to express our solidarity with yes. the Oasis Animation uh, Union, and there hasn't been an update on their contracts or the union talks or anything like that. I tried looking for some, and I could not find any, but we do want to express our solidarity with uh, the union that makes Arthur possible today and i think that animators can be very underrepresented uh in terms of workplaces so i'm glad that they have a union i'm glad that they have a voice and i hope that these negotiations go in favor of them if they haven't already yes in solidarity with the oasis union we will not be watching the flash episodes of arthur (laughs) anytime soon no jokes jokes aside um, I don't talk about it much uh, on the uh, podcast, but labor issues are very near and dear to my heart. It might be uh, the thing in life I care about the most is is the rights of workers. And so uh, solidarity with the Oasis Union, uh, fellow Canadians, uh, let's hope that they get their due. Uh, and poo-poo to you, Oasis management. You are You get our thumbs down of the week. Yeah, they're they're not the throwaway character of the week. They're just throwaway. Mm-hmm. Into something. the trash they go. Yes, sir. Uh, so yeah, I wanted to make sure to bring that up. And speaking of something a little bit more uh, recent than that, we got an email at the start of May from a listener who sent it over to elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com. The email is called Pop Culture References and Arthur and 
fasting. So this has to do with our previous ECL episode. This is from Salmon. Hi there, Will and Lucas. As I was listening to episode 146 on Friday, I was fasting myself. Thank you so much for bringing up Ramadan. The Arthur episode in the podcast made me feel seen, and I appreciate that. I remember when I was in middle school and high school, I could relate a lot to Francine as I missed out on birthdays, grad parties, and so much pizza. Yes, I hope Ramadan... Is Ramadan still going on, Lucas? No, I think I think Ramadan has ended. Yes, okay. Yeah. So I hope it all went well for every everyone celebrating. And uh, we move into the second half of this email. A question I had for the podcast is what has been your top three to five or just your number one top pop culture references on Arthur so far? My top three would have to be the Dexter's Lab parody, the mm. Howard Dean scream, and Brain playing an All the President's Men deep throat parody and going follow the monkeys in the Siberian Tigers episode. So that's from Salmon. Thank you very much. Um, pop culture references. So this it's funny. We were actually just talking about this off mic. So the episode where they go over the different TV pitches is one yes. that I, is one that I really like because especially because there's a lot of '90s references in there. There's South well, Park. There's Beavis and Butthead. Uh, there's even like uh, other PBS shows of the time. Doctor Cats. It's true. Uh, the 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 South Park one especially sticks out in my mind just because it's just so content wise uh, out out of uh, Arthur's kind of milieu. It's just so a different, completely different thing. Um, and and so th- to see them like imitate both that style of comedy and art style is very novel. Um, anytime they do any sort of live action PBS reference, so that time they yes. actually showed a clip from Nova. Uh, and then, of course, you know, the legendary Mr. Rogers and, and the Backstreet Boys, all the celebrity. Oh, you know what? I think yeah. my all-time favorite has to be Art Garfunkel. Um, mm. You know, those are two classic Arthur episodes. And uh, uh, the way he's utilized in that episode, I think, to this date, is my favorite uh, appearance of a the favorite use of a celebrity in an Arthur episode. It's just so amazing and how it kind of breaks the fourth wall and all that stuff. So I think Art Garthunkel's appearance is my absolute favorite. But yeah, a close second probably would be um, when they did South Park. I also have an appreciation for the references that I don't quite understand. And through doing this podcast, I get to research a bit more. Like the episode we did recently on the American Girls dolls, I actually found really fascinating in a way. So I appreciate even the ones that aren't directly for me. Um, <laughs> it's, and- it's not necessarily pop culture. It's more ancient culture. But when <laughs> Diogenes showed up, that was pretty. That was Diogenes. Or, or when Chairman Mao was on Arthur. That's another one. <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot. I mean, Arthur's a pretty reference-heavy show. Like, you wouldn't think it if you're not doing a podcast about it or listening to that podcast. But, yeah, Arthur does do quite a bit of references, almost Simpson-esque in its amount of reference humor from time to time. Uh, all right. That's the only email we had this week, uh, ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. And, of course, we want to give a quick shout-out a quick but loving shout out to our patrons at patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits who now have access to finally our review of the Monster Hunter movie, the adaptation of the video game. Uh, what did we think of it? Well, you can uh, check out the free preview on the free feed or if you want to uh, pay what you like at Elwood City at uh, patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits and get access to the full review, you can do that as well. That I, is- uh, I listened to the free preview and I noticed that you picked probably my hottest take from that <laughs> entire review. So uh, if, if you're if you're interested in these kind of wild accusations I make about Monster <laughs> Hunter, uh, send us a dollar and you can you too could listen to kind of these wild theories I have about the Monster Hunter movie of all things. A dollar or whatever you feel, but it's all good. That is what Jess Coulter has decided to do. Jess has decided to support us on Patreon and as our newest Patreon support Patreon supporter. So thank you very much, Jess. Uh, thanks as well to Gabby S. Vinny Cataldo, uh, Lion Dog ZXA, Christine Liss Cody, Melissa Avales, thank you, Michaela Gibson and Kristen, uh, Caitlin Harrington Robinson, Kevin Noon, and Macy Ball, Stella, 
John Griswold, and Ian Collis. And hey, if I haven't said your name in a while, if you're like waiting for me to say your name, like you could just give me a nudge on pa- on uh, on the Discord or send me a message on on Patreon and be like, say mine next time. It's kind of scattershot. Like I just kind of keep it, try and keep it to around ten. But I just kind of go, yeah, this person, this person, this person. But I imagine I've missed uh, you here and there. So if you'd like me to say your name and you haven't heard it in a while, please let me know. That's patreon.com slash Limits. So today, this is the second episode of the 12th season of Arthur that we're talking about. First off, it's Room to Ride. And Arthur poses the question, what if there was a button behind a curtain that could change the world? At first, I didn't know what they were doing with this opening. It became quite clear once we got into the meat of the episode. But I was like, whoa, this crazy hypothetical. It's like that movie from the Donnie Darko director, The Box, where it's like, what if there was a button and you could press it and you get a million dollars, but also someone else somewhere dies. So, uh, <laughs> I can't think of the box without that um, without the picnic face sketch they did off of it of uh, of Mark Little just going like, I choose the box. No, you're not supposed to press it. You're supposed <laughs> to think about it. It's just like, all right, I have thought about it and I choose the box. <laughs> it's really funny. I should put that up in the, in the Discord. Um, picnic but, but face yeah, local this- comedy troupe. This is a similarly ludicrous hypothetical in which there's a magic box where anybody can basically make any wish, uh, and and this gets out of hand almost immediately. So first, Buster wishes for jetpacks, uh, which is waste of a wish, if I'm going to be honest. Jetpacks and some kind of like strange body glove, like a red he, body glove. A, a, a red jumpsuit apparatus, if you will. Ooh. Um, and, 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 uh, 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 uh and then I think we that's get, a reference right there. Yes, yes, and and then we we get things go get way way worse almost immediately hmm. because DW uh, wishes for us to revert to a half human half cow hybrid uh, monarchy oh, where we we've regressed to feudalism. Where uh, our, our you know governing body is an absolute monarchy uh, led by Mary Moo Cow, and also all humans have now been, or humans in the Arthur parlance, where they're animals, have been <laughs> spliced with cow DNA. Um, yeah, there's, and- there's there's a part of the internet where that's done a little bit more regularly, but I don't exactly <laughs> want to want to want to stay on that topic. If you, uh, if you know well, what I, mean. I have no idea what you're referring to, mm. but yes. Uh, even more, you know, there's the chimera implications, sure, but then also it's just, like, the idea that, like, uh, basically uh, DW has gotten rid of society as we know it and replaced it with an absolute monarchy worshipping a cow. Um, and not even a cow, because Mary Boo Cow still isn't actually a cow. Like, I'm looking at a pause screen right now, and she's got the fake head. So DW has, it's essentially as if, it would if Barney was king of the world, which is kind of a, a, a hellscape, if I'm, I'm to be so bold. Maybe they, um, have, maybe they have the Doja Cat song as, as, their, as their anthem. Mm, mm, as the national anthem. The, we do get the funny image, though, of a, of a cow poking its head into frame as Arthur's talking, and he pushes the cow out of frame. Um I don't know why, but I just thought that was really absurd, uh, funny in an absurd way. And then finally, Muffy changes everything to basically just the wallpapers and like the imagery of the world into different kind of patterns. And she finally settles on the money pattern. Mm. So that's what she would do. We start off the episode with Binky watching his Lance Armstrong <laughs> Tour de France DVD on Muffy's TV. There's so many questions about this. Like, how old is Binky supposed to be again? Nine? I think he's nine. What nine-year-old is watching a DVD of the Tour de France? You like, might, I, I don't, you I don't even surprised. think it's a, I don't even think it's a documentary about the Tour de France. I think it's like, because they do this for some sports events. It's never been something of interest to me, even as a sports fan. Like, they'll put out like a commemorative DVD for like whoever won the NBA championship or what yeah. have you. So I, I assume they would do that for an event like the Tour de France as well. But it's just, it seems odd to me that Biggie would be uh, watching this like seven times. Well, and remember that, we, that we're still, well, actually, we do have YouTube at this point in, in Arthur's life cycle, but it's not like a, th- I don't think it's so much a thing yet. Mm. Like, like, I think today 
You could go onto YouTube and look up Lance Armstrong's Tour de France wins. Why Why you would, I'm not sure. But, like, this would be around the time I would have had... I remember one time I went to... Be- the first thing I ever bought from Best Buy was a DVD compilation of the best of, like, the first year of the Colbert Report. And, like, all of the best bits. Wow. That's, like, that's like a 2006 in a nutshell. Wow. Yeah. So that's kind of what you had to do before you could just go onto YouTube and be like, I remember this thing from the Colbert Report, so I'm going to watch that. Um, so, okay, let's just stop the episode here. We have to talk about who is Lance Armstrong. Now, well, this isn't the first time he showed up on Arthur, right? This is, this that's is correct. kind of a continuation of a previous Biggie storyline. Yes, it is. But, uh, and this, I don't believe this is the last time that we will see Lance Armstrong on the show. So Lance Armstrong, in case you don't know, he was a world champion cyclist who was very popular in like the 1990s into the 2000s because he won the Tour de France cycle race seven times in his career. As an, as an American. As an American. But he was stripped of all of his titles in 2012 when it was discovered that he had been using por- performance-enhancing drugs mm-hmm. over the course of his career and basically all of his wins were tainted because of this. And I looked it up because that was huge news in like 2012, 2013 was the Lance Armstrong doping scandal. And I looked it up. So afterwards, he was basically banned from all sports that follow the world anti-doping code, which means he can't be a cyclist anymore. And he's like been embittered, embattered in lawsuits for the better part of 10 years now uh, based around the fraud that he committed from you know, doping and the sponsorships that came about because of that. It's very, very fraught. And that is kind of his legacy right now is Lance Armstrong is known as like a, as a, as a big old cheater. I, uh, I must've brought this up last time we were talking about this when, when Lance Armstrong first appeared on Arthur, but this was especially hard for my father who kind of looked up to Lance Armstrong as a fellow short athletic guy. Uh, my, my dad was a huge Lance Armstrong fan back in the day, live strong, yellow bracelet and all, you know, way into his like charity and, and cancer work. And, you know, his big comeback story about how he had cancer and then he won the, the seven titles, yada, 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 yada. Um, and so he took all this especially hard to see his, his fellow short King fall from grace. Uh, so that's just what I think of whenever I see Lance Armstrong appear on Arthur is that he made my dad sad. (laughs) I think he made a lot of dads sad, uh, by what he did. And so, yeah, he's a very, very infamous case. And, uh, well, it's, it's, I wanted to say it's unfortunate, but it's like, well, he got caught. So there it is. Not much more to say. So it's going to be a little odd to have him here as Binky's basically personal hero. Like, he looks up to Lance a great deal uh, from this because Binky has gotten into cycling, which is something we talked about a couple of seasons ago when Binky uh, became a cyclist. And he's been having trouble lately because he has to uh, cycle on the road and there are no bike lanes and all of the roads have horrible potholes in them. So he hits one on his bike and then uh, suffers a, a a minor knee injury, but still like hurts himself training for the Elwood City Bikeathon, which we haven't heard from in like at least 10 seasons. It's true. Not since... Um... Since I, DW I learned to ride a bike. Right, 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 right. I was trying to think what was that episode. I was getting it confused with the one where Arthur runs the, the short marathon where it's all first person. But yes, when DW learned to ride a bike, that was the last time the bike-a-thon. Love the continuity in this episode already. You know, we've we've kept Lance Armstrong, for better or for worse, as Biggie's personal hero, and we're bringing back the bike-a-thon. Yeah. Uh, the continuity so far in season 12 has been has been one of the best parts. So Binky is discouraged from taking his bike by his mother, who doesn't want him to get hurt, wants him to be safe. Oh, and- oh yeah. So, so sorry to interrupt you. I yeah, want to yeah. talk about this for a second. Sure. Hot, hot take incoming. Hot take Whoa, incoming. Oh, here we go. Yeah. Uh, I think Binky's mom. Listen, and I, I, I'm not expecting everyone to agree with me. I, I recognize this as a hot take. I think this is straight up bad parenting right here. So Binky oh, okay. falls. Binky falls on the road, and uh, Binky's mom has now forbid him from biking on the street now as someone who grew up riding his bike on the street uh as well as someone who now currently lives in an urban area where it's it's fairly precarious to bike around 
Um, I think that this is this is bad parenting. I remember when I fell and really messed up my face. This is the most hurt, some of the Ooh. most hurt I've ever been. Um, my dad, refu- I didn't even want to ride my bike anymore. My dad refused to let me do so. He was like, you got to get back on that bike because if you don't now, you might never again. And so it, it was a, a big lesson about like, I think that uh, – this is a person again personal opinion i think kids should be inspired to be a little bit adventurous to be a little bit bold to be a little bit you know um not thrill seeking but uh to to pick themselves up after they've been dropped down and, and the idea that like binky wants to bike on the street so bad and you know i assume he learns proper hand signals and he knows all the rules and stuff like that i yes. think that's a really especially because you know for binky biking equals freedom it's like little kids who skateboard right it it, it reminds me of that kind of thing where i think that's a really positive thing uh for for someone to learn as, as a young kid. And so for uh, Binky's mom to kind of squash that inclination and be like, well, you know, that's unsafe. That could give Binky a complex for the rest of his life. So uh, I don't have kids. So take everything I say with the great assault. Maybe my, my opinion might change if I was to actually have a child. But from my perspective, watching this Arthur episode, I was shaking my head at Binky's mom saying he can't bike anymore. Man, Lucas Mancini, he is not for this damn helicopter parenting. It's true. <laughs> he, uh, yeah, no, <laughs> uh, it's hard for me to say as well, but I also thought it was a little bit like, okay, well, you don't have to ban him from this. And I must say, you and Binky doing the right thing and cycling on the roads instead of the sidewalk. Exactly. That's that's to be celebrated. And so this is what kind of, it's this and then his his interaction here with Oliver Frensky, we get some good Oliver Frensky in this episode. Uh, he lets Binky know about an upcoming city election because one of the issues is going to be the implementation of bike lanes. Because to Binky, bike lanes is a no-brainer. Like all the, the the streets are torn up, so they need a safe place to bike that isn't on the sidewalk. And Oliver says, well, that's what one of the issues they're going to be voting on. But not everybody wants bike lanes. So this is kind of the main thing of the episode is that Binky wants to encourage people to vote for bike lanes in the upcoming election. Now, of course, the kids his age, they can't vote, but he can encourage other people to. He's talking about this. He makes up these bumper stickers to vote for bike lanes, except they say, uh, do they say vote for bike lanes? Or yes, something? He, for- yeah. he forgot the E. Yeah. So they say vote for bike lanes. And, um, he en- he enlists Arthur Buster and Brain into his bike lane brigade to convince people to uh, to vote for it. B- Binky has a great quote here: "The government the government makes kids go to school, but we can't even vote. That is so unfair." Mm, Binky channeling um, Tom DeLong in the Anthem Part Two by Blink One Eighty Two. Kids can't vote. Adults, what is it? Kid- oh, I wish I knew the line. It's like you have to genius uh, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like kids can't vote, adults elect them. Like, I I, I can't remember, but it's that kind of uh, youthful anger uh, towards authority that, that uh, Biggie is channeling about not being able to vote. Well, and that is the through line of this episode is this is kind of something that in a very small way radicalizes Binky towards mm. what, what what is really grassroots organization. And it's funny, it brought me back to the early days of Arthur in a way. Like, remember in the first few seasons, there was a lot of talk about the kids doing petitions. There was like, yes. cu- there was a couple of episodes of them having people like going up to people and asking them for petitions and like signatures on petitions. And that's how it was kind of understood that organization worked back in 1996, 97, 98. Now we're in, I think this is like 2000. If this is season 12, then it's probably like 2010, 2009, 2010 ish. So not so much petitions, but they are talking to people and like convincing them to vote a certain way in this kind of grassroots organization for kids. And I thought this was really cool. It's like, it's a, it's a very good way to get kids thinking about, politics even at a local level and not just politics but how the system works is that Mm. you have a problem there is a solution but the solution needs support how do you get that support well here is one way here's how binky and his friends do it and it's totally like it's it's not some like fantastic solution at least not yet it's totally doable like any kid could do this if they put their mind to it 
No, yeah, it's very much like a civics lesson. And, yes. And, but but not in an overt way. Like, it's 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 similar to those early episodes where the kids were making petitions, but those were a lot more nebulous, right? It was like, yes. oh, let's make a, a, a petition to get this thing to happen. This is uh, working towards a very specific goal. There's an election coming up, and, you know, Vinky's starting an activist organization to kind of foster support for this specific issue, which, like you said, is actually, like— a pretty realistic representation uh, around how this kind of activism works. Uh, And the realism continues to the point where we get a heel turn from Boomer (laughs) Mrs. McGrady. This I was not expecting, Will. Um, Mrs. McGrady, beloved Arthur character, the silver-haired, everybody loves her. Oh, Mrs. McGrady, the lunch lady. Guess what, Will? From now on, Mrs. McGrady, the top of my list. Wow. It's, it's, it's over. I was like, I couldn't believe what I was hearing. This is typical NIMBY, not in my backyard, boomer Mrs. McGrady. As someone who follows municipal politics, I was like, it's public enemy number one. She showed her face going, well, I don't think we need bike lights. Not a big deal for me. I don't ride a bike. I'm too old. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my God, is, Mrs. McGrady, no. Which is really like almost not in her character because the Mrs. McGrady that we've come to know, it's like, she's very granola. Like she's really about yoga and like meditation and all that kind of stuff. It seems like she would be really into, you know, by like bicycling, but she, but she isn't. And, but Lucas, you know, we, you know, you have to kind of follow the thread as it goes along. She may start here, but Mrs. McGrady doesn't end here. So I think that's important to know. Uh, she does, however, comment on Binky's uh, knee and says, that's a real tomato. So I liked that. See, usually her folksy charm like would work wonders on me. But I, 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 I from here it, until later on, uh, from this moment, I was like, Mrs. McGrady is my new, like, beyond Muffy, beyond, like, old Prunella, like, most hated Arthur character. Oh, my God. With, with this one turn. Uh, just because she reminds me of, of people that, that so caused me such anguish in real life. <laughs> well, and it's, I mean, I think the representation of opposition in this is very... It's very true to life. In fact, Oliver says something about that. He's just like, it's not so much that there are people not voting for it. It's just that there are also people who are either undecided or just don't want to vote. So you're you're kind of combating apathy and uncertainty as much as you are active opposition. Mm. And with Mrs. McGrady, it's like as nice as that opposition gets, which is still like very misinformed. Like Binky has all the talking points. He's just like, well, this will, you know, uh, a bike a bike lanes will encourage more people to bike. It'll promote better the like living standard. It will like bring down emissions and all this kind of thing. So he's got all the right talking points. Which, for the record, even though I can't ride a bike, I agree with. Like I have no desire to ride a bike, but I would absolutely love more bike lanes. When Halifax gets more bike lanes downtown, I'm happy. Like more That's bike that- lane, more bike lanes is also good for drivers because it lets us both have room on the road. Well, that's because you're a conscientious, conscientious, I can't, can't say the word, but you are a conscientious, yes, community minded individual. Okay. That's because you're a good person. Well, no, I'm just joking. Uh, but yeah, Binky finds this uh, a little bit frustrating. The fact that they, you know, they only got a couple of yeses. They got some no's and they got some undecideds. And he has this quick little imagination where he thinks about what it would be like if they made bikes illegal. Uh, which which is a little bit you know doomsday scenario, but it is kind of funny where they literally hey, th- this basically happened when Rob Ford was the mayor of Toronto. That was one of his like main like things was like we're gonna shut down these bike lanes. They're getting out of hand. Uh, and in and in the imagination, Binky thinks of them putting his bike in the garbage. So he's really <laughs> you know he's discouraged, but he's still fired up about I- the issue. I love this hypothetical, too, because it's like, as someone, who, again, who follows municipal politics, your mind tend to always go to the worst-case scenario. Not only do they ban biking, they also uh, block off every public park. That's right. 
Which is actually, that's something we were talking about at the start of the show. That's something that happened last year. I mean, but it was... In, for entirely deadly, different reasons, yes. But yes, a, a deadly pandemic, but yes, it's still funny to think about, like, not only can no one bike, we're also not going to let you use the public park. <laughs> um, so, Muffy happens upon Binky, and she says that, he, basically, that he needs to advertise his position, and he needs a bit of pizzazz in the campaign. So, she d- decides to be the campaign manager uh, as long as she gets full creative control. And she creates a commercial to coerce votes from people. Uh, it basically involves her creating a new voting booth that has like a like a plush massage chair with a drink holder and like get like all of these little perks to encourage people to vote and basically coerce the votes out of them or really buying votes at this point. Uh, I found it interesting because it's the first time Muffy has been referred to as the heiress to the Crosswire Motors empire. <laughs> Um, I liked b- b- Brain, it, it, like, Muffy shows her plan to everybody at the Sugar Bowl, uh, and Brain is like, Muffy, you can't just buy people's votes, uh, which Brain huh. should uh, follow uh, Nova Scotia politics prior to the <laughs> 1990s. Uh, there's, for our Patreon listeners who are not familiar with Nova Scotia politics, which I, d- I don't blame you, <laughs> they should look up the video of the old woman being interviewed on CBC where she it's like election day, I think this was a federal election, and she goes, yeah, it's not a as good as they used to be they used to pay you to vote the liberals are paying you to vote and the, the interviewer is quickly trying to like go away to someone else or he's like that's not very nice and she goes no it was great and it's like an old lady uh it's one of my favorite like uh, kind of our cultural archives of of east coast politics from back in the day oh i'll have to i'll have to look that up i would love to see that i haven't seen that before um so yeah this is this is kind of muffy's attempt to drum up interest and being, and another way that the kids decide that they could get some help is through celebrity endorsements. But Muffy tried every celebrity she knows, and they're busy. But it just so happens that Lance Armstrong himself is in Elwood City for the bikeathon. Uh, Binky's kind of confused. He's like, it's like, but Lance aren't like Lance Armstrong is like a world champion. Why would he be doing a 25k race? To which Oliver Frensky says, for Lance Armstrong, a 25k race is a rest. Just like it's like all this this very worshipful uh, dialogue about uh, Lance Armstrong is very bitterly funny in mm. in the light of day. Also, I noticed in this part, Binky keeps saying that like the like so the vote is on Tuesday, but Binky keeps saying Tuesday. He says he says Tuesday a lot, like with a it's- ch. I, I, I don't know. Maybe this is Binky's mid-Atlantic accent. I don't know what, what the Tuesday is coming for. I, I don't know either. But Maybe uh, he's British. It's Tuesday. I don't know. Yeah. So Binky initially misses out on uh, on Lance Armstrong, but then manages to catch up to him while he's biking. And Binky hurts his knee again by going into a pothole. Lance Armstrong here... He, 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 you can put him in the kind of very general Arthur category of the guest star that basically just reads his lines and uh, gets in and gets out. Mm-hmm, he's, mm-hmm. he's not like awful, but he's not. He's just very he reads his lines very pleasantly and matter of factly. And that's about it. What do you think about his character design? I mean, it, he he's a lot more square jawed than he is in he real is, life. He is very he has a very strong chin. Yeah, he looks like Henry Rollins or something. As a, more like Henry Rollins than he does oh, Lance Armstrong. I wish Armstrong. Henry Rollins was on Arthur, man. <laughs> uh, who knows? Uh, I, I don't. We got we got to make that happen because Henry Rollins is very opinionated about books and like political issues and stuff like that. Oh, that be that would be so great if he's just mm. if he's just like Arthur. I don't want you to. I don't. I don't. I don't want you. I don't want. I don't want you to start reading these kind of books. I want you to start reading books by uh, by uh, punk rock biographers. I want you to. Yes. You know. I want you to. I want you to start your own punk band. Oh my God! What if Henry he- Rollins helped him start his own punk band? He- Henry Rollins comes on and and teaches the Arthur kids that they shouldn't be posers. Yes. Uh, that they shouldn't be normies. Or or uh, he can. Um, Oh, 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 he could uh, 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 do some of his spoken word at the, the Elwood City Community Center. Uh, he could uh, reprise his role reprise his role in the films Bad Boys 2 and Heat as like just kind of like a silent security guard. There's lots of things we could do with oh, Henry Rollins. I would love it. 
Ah, I just worked myself into a shoot over this Henry Rollins. Henry Rollins is like a, is a great YouTube hole that I fall down every once in a while. I just his speaking stuff is is very uh, is very captivating to me, and in much the same way that I enjoy Kevin Smith's stand up, I enjoy he, Henry Rollins' stand up. He could be, he could get like start kind of waxing poetic about like the iron will never betray you, kids. You got to start working out. You got to start lifting weights. Uh, <laughs> Okay, I can only I can only imagine. So Lance kind of gives him a bit of a pep talk. He gives Binky a pep talk and takes care of his knee, and is essentially like, "Yeah, it doesn't really say too much, but it's just like, well, if you feel passionate about it, then people will kind of follow that passion and they'll pick up on that, and that will help you." And just like, all right, thanks, Lance. So they decide to make a different commercial. It's a little bit more again grassroots. Uh, uh, Brain has a beard in the commercial because he's Father Time. Buster likes the beard on him. Uh, and th- it ends kind of strangely. So we're not quite at the end. we still got like two minutes left, but might as well go into it. So it, it ends at the Elwood City Bikeathon, and Binky's all getting ready, and his mother's letting him bike again. And he starts making his way to the bikeathon, and then on the way there, Mrs. McGrady shows up on a bike. And she, she's been swayed over by Binky's passion and his arguments. So she did she did eventually see the light, Lucas. Yeah, well, she is swayed enough to be on a bike. Okay, yeah, I'm thinking of the earlier conversation because Binky does have another conversation with her right after the commercial where he just is kind of explaining all his points again to her while they're setting up. Yes. I, f- I forgot about the part where she shows up on the bike later. I guess she is swayed in the end, but you know what? Hmm. I, I think she's been recolored in my brain from now on. Like, I need to really interview Mrs. McGrady and figure out what she thinks about, like, is she going to be the kind of person that complains about apartment buildings going up in her community because she thinks it's going to lower the property value? Because that's the kind of vibe I get from someone who's like, well, I don't know about these bike lanes. So, <laughs> I don't know. Miss, Mrs. McGrady's still on watch for me. Fair enough. It's, it's It just kind of took the bloom off the rose, so to speak. Exactly. And then we get a... Special thanks to Lance Armstrong, and we're out of there. And I'm like, <laughs> we're not going to do the race? We're not going to see if the bike lane thing worked? Like, mm. I, I think it was a bit of, like, it was so sudden. I was like, that, that's that's the end? We're done? Maybe they don't want to set up uh, the kids for the the real-world circumstances of activism, which is that sometimes you have to prepare yourself for failure. Like, who knows yeah. how that vote was going to go? You know what I mean? Yeah, I guess that's true. But I mean, it's a cartoon. You can just give, give him <laughs> a little bit of hope, man. That's what that's what that's what activism lives and dies on is hope. You gotta true. you gotta you gotta stoke that flame a little bit. But all right, whatever. Okay, so it it ended a bit strange, but it is a conclusion. It it's an ending. So uh, we're gonna take a quick break here, and then we will be right back with the second half of this Arthur episode. Hey everybody, it's Lucas from the Elwood City Limits podcast, and if you love ECL, there's a couple of ways to keep up with us. You could go to facebook.com slash elwoodcitylimits, at ECL podcast, that's our Twitter. We take questions on Tumblr. It's elwoodcitylimits.tumblr.com. There is an Instagram as well, Elwood City Limits on Instagram. Of course, if you want to donate to the show and get exclusive content, whether that's our full-length commentary of the Arthur movies, our brand new a bi-weekly PBS Kids Review Show, as well as our video game movie reviews with the Sonic movie review and Pikachu movie review. You can check out patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits. Uh, and that's also going to get you access to the Elwood City Limits Discord, which me and Will like to post in from time to time. And if you want that sweet, sweet Elwood City Limits merch, check out teespring.com slash stores slash Elwood hyphen city hyphen limits hyphen store. You can listen to the podcast at libsyn.com slash Elwood City Limits, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and there's other podcast apps like Stitcher. And if we're not on your favorite app, let us know. And where can you let us know? Well, that's going to be at ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. That's also where you can send us a question and we'll read it on the show. Finally, if you want to support the podcast, the best way to do so is to tell a friend who likes animation or Arthur or just podcasts in general and to go to our iTunes page and rate us out of five stars. Apparently, that helps podcasts out. Bye, everybody. The Frensky family fiasco, and it starts off with uh, something we've only gotten, like, I think once before. 
Uh, Francine Jack's the Arthur OP. Yeah, this was uh, definitely like a really standout opening because it's not even Fran- we've had other characters kind of hijack. Uh, Arthur's cold open like when he addresses the camera but this is I thought like the video we were watching this on was broken or something for a second because it actually plays the theme song again Um, and we see the theme song but instead of Arthur walking down the street it's Francine and then eventually we see all these other characters kind of pontificate about what if it was my show what if and you know we get a little moment here where Binky's like what if it was the Binky show and I'm like what if it was the Binky show what if it was the Binky show yeah we get uh, DW and Buster and the Binky show, everybody trying to change the show into their own. What I found was weird was that you have Francine doing the Arthur walk and then you pull out and Arthur's like, no, 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 this isn't how it goes. And Francine has to like separate herself from the background. She's like glued into it. Mm, it's like Paper Mario or something. Like they they are cartoon characters. It's, yeah. it's, it's like in Who Framed Roger Rabbit where they still, they're in the real world, but they still have the kind of cartoon physics. Right. Uh, we do get we do get a piece of background dialogue here when Arthur kind of finishes off the cold open of, you know, Buster mentions aliens as usual. And then Francine says, can we have one single episode where we don't mention aliens? I, and I appreciated that for one. So the actual episode does have to do with Francine, obviously. Uh, she's in Mr. Rappern's class watching a documentary about baboons and uh, kind of the familial aspect of the uh, I don't know what you call a group of baboons. Well, why don't, why, don't I, why don't I play the Lucas Mancini here? Group yes. of baboons name. I, I bet it's something fun, you know, like a murder Ooh, of crows. It, it's a congress. Hey, if you think, you know, down in, in sub-Saharan Africa, those bamboos are a congress, wait till they see congress in the States. You know what I'm saying? If he, it, it, feel, it, feel, it, feel, it feels... It feels... It feels like you see those. You see that you ever see those videos of like people playing the beginning of of a Mario Kart level, and it's just like a lineup of dog treats, and the dog just struggles to eat them all like in sequence. That was kind of like you with that obvious setup (laughs) of a congress of baboons. Uh, It was very fun. Very fun to listen to, though. Francine is kind of like she makes a joke about how she'd like. It's like the baboon grooming its sister and just like I'd never do that with my sister given where she's been Francine goes home uh Oliver is out bicycling uh which actually I I don't think it's her mom doesn't say it's for the um for the bike-a-thon but you could imply that it is around the same time Frensky family same time uh, and so uh, Francine's mom who I always call her dad Oliver but I don't know if I know her mom's name. Hmm. I'm just gonna Google foo this again. Oh I just, wow! I just feel I just feel bad that I don't know Laverne Laverne yes, Frensky yes. Oliver and Laverne. Okay, so Laverne has on her bowling shirt and she's getting ready to go bowling because that's kind of her thing. We don't know a whole lot about Laverne as much as we know about Oliver, but apparently she's a bowler and uh, she's gonna try and break her high score. And uh, Catherine's on the phone. Uh, Francine catches a commercial for Chicken Lickin, another Arthur reference, and uh, Beauregard Poulet commercial about his family fun bucket or whatever it is. The the return of of Beauregard Poulet, a character that is funny, but I also still feel weird about. Weird about how, for those who uh, don't remember the earlier episode. Well, it's just, you know, it's, it, I mean, he's, tuck, he's, he's talking like the colonel from Kentucky Fried Chicken, and it's just yeah. like, it's just a little, I don't know. It, there's something about it. I'm not going to go as far. It's it's not an argument for me to make about why it's it's a little bit off kilter. It gives me the heebie-jeebies a little bit. I, I wouldn't go that far as to say that it's it's straight up problematic. But there's something about Beauregard Poulet that I'm like, uh, it's like a little foghorn leghorn. It's a little like, uh, I don't know about Beauregard. So... <sighs> We kind of talked about the new animation in the premiere episode because it's it is a different animation studio as we mentioned. I think I noticed it. I noticed it here a yes. lot. I, I know. I, I know exactly what you're talking about. There's there's a sequence here where uh, you notice the animation based upon the lack thereof. Well, because Francine is watching the Chicken Lickin commercial, and we hear Beauregard Poulet, and you would think this would be an opportunity to like show the commercial, maybe do like a couple of wacky visuals, but it's all focused on Francine's face. And her face, like, it communicates a kind of sadness, 
but it's like very, very like basic emotions. And it's just like, it's, it's one of those moments where I was like, Oh, they were trying to save money on this. Weren't they? It reminds me of like those late episodes of neon Genesis Evangelion where they ran out of money. (laughs) And so like, there's all those like multiple minute sequences of just a single frame, uh, to save money on animation. And then Fran, and then Francine's watching the TV, and then all of a, all of a sudden she's like, "You're not really nice to me. <laughs> you hide behind your smiles, but you are really you really don't want to be nice to me." And then Arthur says, "We are nice to you," <laughs> uh, and so on. That that really struck me as like, "Hmm, this seems kind of hinky." And like the way that they're drawn, and I don't mean to say that like, "Oh, the animation is cheap," which means that it's like bad. It's just like I think it is easy to see at this point that the animation looks cheaper than we've seen in other seasons, which I imagine was probably due to a budget cutting measure. I imagine they changed studios because of the better rate they could get. So the animation does not honestly doesn't look as good in these episodes as we've seen before. There are like little like off model parts or parts that kind of don't look very good. So, I mean, it's fine. It's serviceable, but Given how good Arthur animation has been in the past, God, five years we've been doing the show, um, I th- I think it's noticeable when there's a bit of a dip, and this uh, this felt like it, and uh, just knowing what we knowing what little we know, so Francine proposes the Frensky family night. She wants to have more time with her family together, so there will be one night a week where somebody picks something to do, and they all do it together as a family. Will have you ever had a family night? Like a re- like a regular thing like this where you, you kind of get together every week. Not on the calendar necessarily, but you know when I was living at home when I was much younger, we would you know we would have a night every now and then where even it, it could be as simple as like watching a movie or playing a board game or something. It was never quite as organized as it is here. Uh, now with my wife, Saturday is kind of our day. Like I always kind of put that aside as just like okay, especially Saturday evening. Is like that is our time that we that we specifically spend together, or at least we try to as much as possible. What I'm, about you? I'm proud of you, Will. That's a, a bold inverse of the uh, Saturday is for the boys mantra. Um, uh, yeah, so I uh, have a regular family night. I hang out. I go to see my family and my my sister every Sunday. So we'll have dinner um, and then hang out every Sunday night. A lot of times when I do get to see my family, of course, outside of lockdown. Um, yes, that's been put on hold for me as well. Yeah, it will be for Sunday dinner. It's not every Sunday though. And especially because sometimes it's like, it's my family. Sometimes it's my wife's family, which is, it's all good. I like, no matter which family it is, I'm happy, but, uh, it changes a lot. And sometimes we just kind of want to stay home. We're, we're introverts and sometimes we don't want to be seen on a Sunday. This is what they decide. Catherine's not exactly looking forward to it. She thinks she, you know, she's a teenager. She'd rather go out and party Mm. instead of sticking around with her family, but she does. I I empathize with Catherine. We see this quick imagination sequence where like everybody's kind of signing on to family night and it it cuts to Catherine and she's like picturing what she could be doing. And she's like literally partying on the beach. And then it like smash cuts to like the Fredsky family's day. And it's like them playing like cards and they're all kind of being overtly bored, like in monotone. Um, And I was like, Oh man, I feel for Catherine. Like I understand why she doesn't want to do this. Covered in cobwebs and all that kind of stuff. Um, uh, but Catherine does get to pick first after a stern look from Laverne. So her thing is that they decide to go to a sushi restaurant, Woo! which, yeah, I mean, I'd love to go to a sushi, sushi restaurant. I love it. But this is Francine's first time going. So, of course, we go through all the typical punchlines. She's having trouble with the chopsticks. She she dips a sushi into wasabi, thinking it's guacamole, and then tries to wash it down with almost an entire bottle of soy sauce. Yeah, you'd think, like, I don't know her technique of chugging the soy sauce, but you'd think, like, the second she, she it hits her tongue, she would stop. But she, like, is, like, taking it to the head. Like, she's really throwing <laughs> back that soy sauce. Um, but you're right. If I had a if I had a yen for any time I've seen something in media where someone goes, "Oh no, don't eat the wasabi!" Ah! Um, and yeah, I was I I was disappointed in Francine here. I know that you know sushi's an acquired taste, um, and it's not for everybody. But I think her attitude, considering that the family night was her idea, and already she's kind yeah. of poo pooing the first suggestion that comes her way. She's like, "I wanted to get Chinese food." I'm like, "Geez, Francine, this was your idea. Like, have well, an you, open mind." Right? They can do it next week if you want. 
Uh, and then Catherine's other thing is that she wants to watch the latest episode of Starcast, lol, because there's a wrestling thing called Starcast. Anyway, uh, it is the uh, parody of American Idol. And, uh, you know, Francine's not exactly interested in this. She takes a phone call from Muffy during that time, which is time not spent with her family. And there is a line. So there's an obvious Simon Cowell parody uh, of like this guy with dark hair and like a very tight black shirt. And the line is basically talking to um, one of the finalists who had this this like almost dreadlock-esque hair. And the line is something along the lines of everyone likes your hair. So you win. That's like, uh, what was the silver-haired guy's name that won? Cause Soul literally... Patrol. Um, oh, is it like Taylor? I yes. want to say it was like Taylor Taylor Hicks? I don't know. I, I really, I was never a big American Idol guy. It was something my family would watch, but it was never really my thing. But Taylor, Taylor Hicks, I can't believe I remembered that. Yeah, Soul Patrol. <laughs> that, was, that, was, that was his gimmick because he sang like soul songs and he's white. So he was Soul Patrol. God, the things I remember. I don't even remember. Like, my friend's birthdays? No. Soul Patrol? Surprisingly, yes. Yes. Uh, A little bit of a a shot across the American Idol bow, which was very, very in at the time. Um, So Francine can't really get into this, and her parents are like, you know, uh, you did... It's like, this was your idea, Frankie, so you have to kind of be here with us. So Francine... Uh, we skip ahead a week. It's her night. So she decides to make a pizza that will have four different quarters to it. So everybody can put whatever they want on their quarter. Um, and she buys a bunch of fresh vegetables for Catherine uh, for her side of the pizza, which I thought was going to lead to a joke, but kind of doesn't. Like, she just kind of was nice and bought Catherine vegetables because yeah. she's a vegetarian. We, we kind of get a montage of her procuring all the uh, uh, elements of her family night. So she gets the old board game. She gets the vegetables. Uh, she hangs out with local reactionary uh, Mrs. McGrady, uh, who teaches her how to uh, sort of roll the dough and, 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 you know, make the pizza be in that pizza shape. And she also takes some time to make Russian dressing Ugh. on the salad to Catherine's disgust because it's Francine mixing ketchup and mayonnaise for Russian dressing. This is, I'm not exactly sure what this is or what this is meant to be, Lucas. Do you know what Russian no, dressing no. is? No, no. As far as I'm concerned, this is L number two for Francine in this episode. L number one was her, you know, being poo pooing sushi so much. And now I'm handing her L number two, which is like trying to pass off this. Not only is, yeah, ketchup and mayonnaise. That sounds foul. Okay, well wait. Well wait a second here. I, this is this is again me doing Google foo here. I'm pl- in the role of Lucas Mancini. This episode is Will Young. Um, I looked up Russian dressing, and Google tells me it is a piquant American salad dressing consisting of mayonnaise, ketchup, and other ingredients. It's Ugh. similar to Thousand Island or French dressing. You're, but you're right. Like putting ketchup on lettuce immediately, like it's like when a cat sees a cucumber, I just kind of internally spring up as high as I can. But you know, maybe maybe there's something to it. Wow, we really something. Is Mercury in retrograde? Is something in the air? We're really reversing roles this episode. You're doing all the googling. I'm the one revolted by like a food option. <laughs> I, I don't know what's going on. The, the the sun, the rare Nova Scotia sun, has really uh, turned the show on its head this week. How'd this show turn into Freaky Friday? Um, and then they finally, Francine wants to play Megalopolis, which is the kind of parody of Monopoly. Mm. And, uh, you know, Catherine initially, initially balks at that, which she should because Monopoly sucks. Yes, this is a very accurate parody because in the episode, <laughs> uh, Monopoly, su- Monopoly sucks. And nobody's uh, and nobody's having fun, and it devolves into <laughs> into arguing and flipping the board over. Um, there is a funny like yeah. So they do eventually start arguing. Like Catherine thinks that Francine's taking too much money. Then Oliver offers her money, and Laverne gets mad because she thought Oliver didn't have any money. Oh, that, uh, that's a pretty funny line, actually. Laverne's like, Oliver, you're setting a terrible example for the children. Yeah, they're having their own micro argument. Uh, oh, by the way, they they accidentally burn the pizza. And uh, there is a funny line where Catherine said, I think I forget if it's Catherine or Francine who says, oh, so it's my fault. You're a crooked banker. <laughs> and then uh, Nemo steals the fish token and it just kind of all uh, goes to heck this this night, unfortunately. So Francine uh, takes this to heart and she ends up having a dream, a little bit of a harrowing dream where she imagines herself and her family 
in the place of the baboon documentary. And so in the document, in Francine's dream, they're running away from a lion and trying to get up a tree, but they can't decide who goes up the tree first. So they just end up arguing as a shadow looms over the tree and it's implied that they're eaten. <laughs> like, it's the you know, the narrator in Francine's dream is like, it seems to be too late for these Frenskis. I'm like, oh my God, that's <laughs> not, dark. Yeah, not since, um, not since the on-screen death ending of the Lice episode have we seen kind of such a dark instance. This isn't even just like some random monkeys either. These are monkeys that are Francine's family all just kind of massacred off screen. Uh, yeah, and that 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 that, uh, that 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 lice episode stayed with you. you. You're still talking about that years later. I mean, it, it will it's the only Arthur episode to end like a Coen, Coen Brothers movie or something. <laughs> like the the lice just gets like killed, and then the camera zooms out. It's very dark. He went to the Big Rock Candy Mountain. Mm. Uh, so Francine wakes up and is kind of just is distressed, but then she discovers that. Uh, she and Catherine have been given their own monogrammed bowling shirts. And this also kind of like the episode just kind of decided to end. It just decided it was over. I thought there was going to be more to this. But what it is is that it's the Frensky family goes bowling. I think it's Catherine and Francine versus their parents. And Francine actually talks to the camera outside of the cold open. Uh, she looks at the camera and says that they don't do official family nights anymore. Like they don't. They don't do like the, you know, official Frensky family nights anymore because it just wasn't their style. So instead, they just bowl. And that's the end of the episode. I was again, I was like, oh, 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 I thought there was more to say there, but I I, I guess there wasn't. Uh, so I we kind of get kicked to the end of the episode and now we have to go back and. Uh, see how we feel. So let's go back to uh, Room to Ride. Uh, Lucas, Lance Armstrong's first appearance on the show. Um, how did this, how did second, this hit you? Second appearance. Second appearance. When was he? Sorry, when was he on before? Did I miss? We talked about this at the start of the episode. There was an episode before where Biggie was talking about how like Lance Armstrong was his hero. I guess, oh, first voice line, I suppose. He's appeared on the show, though, like a Biggie watching him on TV and stuff. Oh sure, I no, yeah, I yeah, yeah. I, meant, I meant like his first yeah. actual like Lance Armstrong yeah. is here. I, I think that the the Lance Armstrong involvement actually uh, is kind of a a dark spot on the episode, right? It makes the episode yeah. feel, feel dated, and it's kind of this weird cloud uh, over what. Besides that, and besides the ending, which I'll get to in a second, is actually a, a fairly, for lack of a part of the pun, engaging episode in terms of like community engagement. Um, I am someone who. <laughs> Who, you know, is very uh, civically inclined. I, I like following what's going on in the municipality of, of my city. It's like a hobby of mine. Um, and I think this is a really positive lesson for kids to learn about, you know, being engaged with what's going on in your city and, and trying to make your community a better place. I think that's a, a really awesome lesson for Arthur to be tackling. And I think they tackle it in a very realistic way. Um, I think that, yeah, the Lance Armstrong stuff does more harm than good in retrospect. Respect. Uh, and I also think that I agree with, I think you're going to say, which is that the episode ends on a really strange note and just kind of fizzles out. Sorry about that. There was a little bit of interruption with my, my cat turning off my Wi-Fi. Will, what did you think of the episode? I agree with you. Um, it, it was it was really cool, actually, to see it come together in the beginning and be like, as you mentioned, as you called it, kind of uh, a kind of re an intro to civics lesson about how you can if you are a community minded person you can affect change and i think that that is a really cool thing to be able to tell kids about i think it's a really important lesson because sometimes you grow up and it's just not a part of your life like i wasn't very politically minded as a kid and that's neither here nor there but it meant that i was kind of um displaced from the ways that change is affected in a community and how people are a part of that should be a part of that solution. So I thought that was really cool. It just, like you said, it had the unfortunate wrapper of being part of, like having Lance Armstrong be a part of it, which is really awkward. And like, and as I said before, this isn't the last time we'll see him. So we're going to have to continue to kind of go through this awkwardness until, well, we kind of get Lance Armstrong out of the picture. Um, th that aside, I really liked what the episode was trying to do and what I think it did successfully. It just kind of ended really weird, which is kind of happened bo with both 
stories here. So it's not just the fault of this one. It's kind of strange. Just kind of strange. But overall, I think that this this is a net positive, and it presents civics and uh, local politics in a way that is not that is engaging to kids and how it breaks down why it's important. So I think that I think that that's that's a really good thing. The Frinsky family fiasco, um, for, like kind of the going back through it, like the animation unfortunately colors a bit of my opinion here and otherwise i mean i again i think it's a good message but it's gone about in a strange way like francine's concern for her family's lack of time spent together sort of comes out of nowhere and is let down by the animation and as we go forward it's like well okay so we'll do this and they do it and it doesn't go well and then it ends with like yeah, so we decided not to do it, and we do this instead. I'm just like, well, then why did we, why did we do this then? Like, there was there isn't especially very much interesting about the episode, and in the end, it's just like, well, then we decided that wasn't such a great idea, and we do this now. And it's like, I get the I get the message. It's like you, you know, you find your own ways to spend time with your family that makes sense for you. But it felt like we got there really quickly, and again, ended in a rushed manner. So in the end, I don't really f- end up feeling anything about this. So, yeah. Yeah. I think I felt a little bit more positively about it than you animation aside, uh, and, and ending aside. Um, I think because I have a regular family night and I, and I do, uh, the Frensky family is, I think amongst the Arthur families, one of the most top tier, um, I think I love their family dynamic even more so than probably the Arthur family because it's really cool that they have uh, Catherine, um, probably one of the more realistic uh, representations of a teenager on Arthur because who else do we have? We have Molly, who's also actually pretty much a top-tier character, but we don't really see the rest of Molly's family. And then we have uh, mm. uh, Prunella's older sister, Rubella, who is kind of too much of a freak to be uh, identifiable <laughs> as, a, as an everyday teenager um so so uh catherine's relationship with with francine is a really um important i think component to arthur and and francine's character it's something that really brings out the best of francine um so it's always nice to see them interact as a family dynamic but i think that's again something that's holding up a fairly shaky episode in that you're right like what are we supposed to take away from this? Like, don't have a family outing? Or I, I, I guess the moral is, you know, family time is valuable, so y- you make it when you can. Um, but it's like, they don't even say that, really. They're like, well, we just do bowling because we know everybody's going to get along. It, it, it's a weird, I'm not quite sure what you're supposed to take um, from the conclusion of the episode. So I think all of these kind of individual things make the episode not add up to be greater than the sum of its parts. Um but I don't know. I, I still feel like that's kind of being overly critical in that it wasn't boring. It was funny. I enjoyed watching it. I just think when you kind of put it under a closed microscope, the whole thing does kind of fall apart. But I, I still enjoyed watching it. Fair enough. Yeah, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say it's a complete whiff. It wasn't like a waste of time or anything. It's just I didn't end up feeling anything by the end mm, of it. But agreed. Fair enough. It was, and I and of course I appreciate the message. So there you have it. Another Arthur episode in the can, despite. Uh, the the attempted assassination of your Wi-Fi by your cat. So uh, good thing we we kind of got that out of the way. Thanks a lot, everybody, for joining us for this episode of Elwood City Limits. Uh, of course, we are back on our normal uh, Patreon schedule uh, coming up into next week, which means we are going to be returning to, for the kids, a PBS Kids podcast. And since it has been a little while since we've done that, I decided that I'm we're going to go forward with a series on For the Kids, a PBS Kids podcast. We are going to be covering all six of the PBS Kids Bookworm Bunch shows, which means we will have six episodes with one... Uh, okay, let me let me make this clear. The next six episodes of For the Kids are going to be all about the Bookworm Bunch, which is a series of cartoons, or cartoons slash just shows. It was a preschool block uh, produced by Nelvana that aired on PBS right around 2000 to 2004 uh, on Saturdays and Sunday mornings. So there are six shows that I think is going to be a lot of fun for us to talk about, and I think we're going to recognize some, if not all of them. 
So, Lucas, what I'm going to do is I don't have a particular starting point for this block of shows. So I've got I'm on random.org. I've put okay. in. Wow, this is exciting. Minimum number one, max number six. And I'm going to have them generate a number. And the number is three, which means we are going to start the Bookworm Bunch coverage with Timothy Goes to School. Whoa, classic. Interesting. I'm excited. Yeah, I think there's going to be quite a bit to talk about with these shows. So that's going to be our next episode of For the Kids. Timothy Goes to School, part of the PBS Kids Bookworm Bunch. And then in two weeks, we will be back with another episode of ECL. We're going to be talking about well, this one, I think, has been waited on by a couple of our listeners. DW's Stray Net Kitten followed by Bats in the Belfry. This is going to be another one where we're going to have to do a little bit of explaining as to uh, what exactly a net kitten is supposed to represent. And that's not all, Will, yeah, for ECL listeners right. who, who can't get enough of me in particular. Uh, next week, I'm going to be appearing on uh, Podcast 69, a podcast where the hosts watch the 69th episode of various TV shows. And of course, <laughs> uh, as it's my area of... Ex- okay, the the technical difficulties aside, my goodness, Mike is having a field day with us this week, Will. The, the ghost of Mike has returned to wreak havoc on... First, he's possessing my cat, and now he's, he's rewriting the disk space on my work laptop. Anyway... Um, I'm going to be on Podcast 69 next week. We're going to be talking about Arthur. We're going to be talking about the episode where they write into the contest uh, and watch uh, or, or pontificate about all the different 90 shows that Arthur kind of uh, uh, basically does their take on. So I'm really excited to talk about that, and you'll be able to find that next week. I'll post that on my various socials, and I'm sure the ECL Twitter account will retweet my appearance on Podcast 69. You better believe it, and it'll be uh, uh, we'll be putting it on the ECL Discord and pretty much everywhere. I can't wait to hear this one. It's so interesting to hear about, it's going to be interesting to hear about an Arthur episode from the perspective of a podcast that is not as immersed in the Arthur world as we are. And with Lucas to boot, I've been waiting for Lucas to kind of strike out on his own to realize that he doesn't need me anymore because I feel like I do the brunt of the of the guest spots but as Lucas says he has a job and I'm a uh, worthless layabout. No, he didn't say that. He didn't say that. I'm saying that. But Lucas is usually very busy. I'm happy that you're going to be doing a guest spot because I want to see I want to hear I want to hear what you sound like without me. I, I think it's high time that you had your chance in the spotlight. So really looking forward to this. All right, so we've got the Bookworm Bunch coming up soon on For the Kids on patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits. And then we've got another Arthur episode coming for you in two weeks' time. Knock on wood. So despite all the technical difficulties, thank you very much for listening to this episode. We appreciate having you here, and we will talk to you again very soon. My name is Will Young, and for Lucas Mancini... Even baboons are closer than we are. We'll see you next time.